Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. Hey, before I introduce my next guest to you, I need you to know that I have called Xfinity about the internet situation at my house. I do not know why this is suddenly a problem, but it is a problem, and we're working on it. So I apologize that the internet quality on this episode is less than ideal, makes the audio a little bit choppy. Want to remind you, first of all, it gets better as the episode goes on. So the introduction is rough, but it gets better. And then the other thing I wanted to remind you of is every episode is transcribed. You don't get to hear Ollie's beautiful, peaceful voice in that way. But if the choppy internet is just too much for you to handle, transcript is a great option for you as well. Like I said, we are working on it. I apologize profusely. Please blame all of the internet on me. Absolutely none of it on Ollie. It is my fault. My house's problem. We're working on it. All right. I think that's all I needed to say. Oh, no, there was one more thing I needed to say. Um, The tornado siren goes off at my house about minute 43 or so. I don't know if you can hear it in the audio, but I just want you to be aware. If you happen to hear a tornado siren, it's probably in the podcast. Don't need you freaking out. All right. That's all I got. I will bring on Ollie. Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson, and today I'm here with a new friend, Ollie. Ollie is a certified life coach. She's a certified personal organization coach. She um, is a Black woman originally from Kenya. Then she moved to Ohio. Now she's in Southern California. She's also queer. So we have got no shortage of things to talk about. Um, So Ollie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to get to learn from you, get to hear your story, get to know you a little bit more. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Good. Well, let's start off. I just gave like the high level introduction of who you are. Um, let's have you take a few minutes and share in your own words a little bit about who you are and what your journey has looked like. So I was born in a coastal town in Kenya next to the Indian Ocean. I am the second of five children to my parents, David and Margaret. Raised middle class, went to private schools. Um, That's considered middle class in Kenya. Um, Graduated, my parents decided that I needed to get an education outside of the country for some reason applied to universities in Australia, England, and the U.S. Wow. I got accepted to a bunch of universities in the U.S., and my parents decided that they would have preferred me to study here because I had family in Ohio. Sure. So I ended up going to Ohio State University. I started out as an architecture major. Then I switched to interior fabrics. Worked in banking while in college, completed my degree, was in a long-term relationship that ended. I'd always wanted to move away from Ohio because of the winters. Yes. (laughs) They're pretty intense uh, for someone who grew up in the tropics. Yes. For sure. And then um, I was deciding between New York and California. Okay. California won. So I moved here a few years ago. And I've been trying to find my way home, I guess you'd say. 
So that's my story. Home meaning like back to Kenya or home meaning like your place in the world? I didn't know what home was Mm. for a long time. I defined it as a physical place or a person. It was always an external Mm -hmm. definition of home. But in the last maybe four or five years, I've found that home is in me, within Mm. me. I hope. Yeah. It's really cool. It's something I struggled with because I was always attaching things on the outside as my home. And then when I'd lose them, I'd feel very lost. Sure. But now that I've discovered that I have everything that I need within me, mm. so that it's not, it doesn't matter whether I lose a relationship or I lose my apartment or sure. I move to a different state. Sure. I can always return to me, my home. Wow. That's really profound. Thank you. Yeah. It took, it took a lot of suffering Mm. to get to where I am and how I feel about myself. Sure. Now. So let's talk about yourself. How do you identify? I identify as a queer black person of color okay that's essentially my definition that i would use if anybody asked Uh, obviously that can be broken down yeah but that's that's how i I like to to uh, be identified as okay bpoc bpoc okay i've never heard them combined together like that so that's a cool thing to hear thank you there's also another combination I use sometimes shortened. It's QBPOC, queer black person of color as well. Okay. That works okay. too. Okay. Maybe this is a weird question. What makes it important to you to have both black and person of color in your identity in that way? I think because I feel like I'm not just black. Mm. I'm black on the outside but within my physiology there's a lot of different races from my ancestors sure I think that's why I include person of color okay cool thank you for educating me oh my pleasure thanks for asking yeah so let's talk about your experience in Kenya and then you move to the United States I can I've lived abroad before so I can only imagine what a culture shock that was and transition it was. So can you share a little bit about what that journey looked like? Oh my gosh. I grew up very conservative, quite spoiled in terms of taking care of myself. And I didn't know that until I went to college Mm. in a different country, in a different continent. Yeah. One of the first things I noticed when I moved to Ohio was food. Mm. The food was so completely different from what I was used to having every single day. Mm -hmm. My mom was our cook. And so she made all of our meals at home. We rarely ate out. Yeah. So when I moved to college and my 
roommates were talking about eating out every single day. I did not understand that. Sure. So food was one. Second, the big one was race and accent, I yeah. guess, accent. Yeah. Um, my Luckily, my roommates were very friendly and open and curious and would ask me questions, but would not go to class, which Ohio State is a huge university. Classes are like 100 to 150 people in there. Mm-hmm. I was always the minority. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I was the only person of color in my class. And so I would get a lot of looks, a lot of stares, which makes it very uncomfortable when you're new. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, well, participating in class, I would get a lot of questions about repeating what mm-hmm. I just said oh, because of my accent. Okay. So it was a lot of overwhelm in how people received me when sure. I moved here. Sure. This may be another weird question um, and just my own lack of knowledge. Do you consider English your first language or do you, did you speak other languages as well? Okay. Um, there's no weird question. I like when people are curious, so I don't think your questions have been weird at all. Oh, well, thank you. And to answer your question, yes, I would consider English my first language because in Kenya, we have two national languages. Okay. English and Swahili. Okay. We have to learn both from kindergarten okay and so i in our household we spoke english all the time all my friends speak in english all the education is in english all Mm -hmm. businesses are done in english swahili is more of a community language okay and then i have another language i have to learn which is my parents ethnic group which is luo okay but that's the one i don't speak very well the least well (laughs) Sure. <laughs> okay. Thank you for telling me about that. I, I didn't know. And so it's fun to learn um, and just not make an assumption. And you mentioned that people were asking you to repeat things. Is, I don't hear an accent in your voice, a significant one. Maybe it's because I'm from the Midwest and you may maybe speak with more of a Midwestern accent. Has your voice changed since then? Absolutely. In fact, when I originally I moved to Ohio. Everyone thought I had a more European accent. Sure. And that's because we were occupied by the English before we got our independence. And so our education Mm -hmm. is based on England's education system. And most of my formative teachers were all English and that's where my accent came from. So it's become actually quite Americanized now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds much more Americanized. I can hear the, the English influence a little bit, but not very often. It's interesting that you mentioned that. I was going to say that uh, when I was taking my English classes in college that I needed, Mm -hmm. uh, my professor would always make notations that my grandma was very English, not very American. Sure. And I don't, they were criticizing. And so mm. I worked really hard to change it to be more American when wow. I don't think that's what they were trying to say. They were just making a comment. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that is just part of being a minority and trying to fit in, right? Unfortunately, losing part of yourself. Exactly. 
So let's talk about the differences um, and challenges you faced or maybe still face being a queer Black person of color in the United States versus in Kenya. So in Kenya, I wasn't out. Okay. Yeah, only my family knew. Okay. And because it's illegal. Mm, Oh, wow. To be queer or gay in Kenya, punishable by death. Wow. I was not allowed to come out. Sure. I was not, yes, I was not allowed to come up to sure. any of my other family, extended family or friends. Yeah. Or so it's I came I came out when I came to the United States to okay. people here, my college sure. mates, my housemates, sure. my coworkers and stuff. So I personally didn't experience any challenges being queer because I wasn't queer in right. Kenya. Right. Yeah. So I I was passing a straight. Sure. So everything was okay in that way. Um, but here, when I came out, which wasn't a, a bad experience for me, everyone was very open and welcoming and accepting mm-hmm. of me. Luckily Great. for me, I'm very yeah. thankful for that. It's more society that I struggle with okay. and systems mm-hmm. in the US. Um, even within the queer umbrella, mm-hmm. there's sort of a social hierarchy. Okay. There's white gays or queers, mm-hmm. and then Asian, okay. and then Latinx, and then Black. Okay. And then on the other end of that spectrum is the fact that I identify as female. Sure. And Generally, in American societies, white, everyone else, Black, and within Black, female identifying people are last. So I have both queer and female identifying Black person. And Uh so I tend to feel quite invisible. Mm. Yeah, I don't feel seen. Okay. I see that other, a lot of other people see other people in themselves. There's a lot of representation, especially if you're queer and white, queer mm-hmm. and Latinx, queer and Asian, yeah. but queer and black and then female identifying is hard to find. And so I think that's been my struggle. It's people are surprised. They don't, they feel uncomfortable um, trying to get to know me, mm. which is fine with me, but mostly it's the systems and society that doesn't seem to care so much okay. about people who identify like wow. me. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Do you have an example of a system that's really just, just not, not built for someone like you? Um, probably the medical field. Mm. I've had um, health issues mm-hmm. and when I go to see say a specialist for something yeah. and in the intake form they'll ask you how do you prefer your pronoun uh, what race how do you mm-hmm. identify yeah. um, the people I meet in the medical field whether it's from the doctor or the nurse, always forget all of those things. Mm. I understand it's human. You can't remember everybody, sure. uh, but they 
always mess up my pronouns. Um, they assume always that I'm in a hetero relationship. Okay. And so when I'm asked about my partner, I have to correct them. Sure. And that's mostly how I've experienced um, the system when it comes sure. to being queer and black. Sure. Um, there are other examples, but I can't think of any right now. Sure. No, that's a great example. And because we didn't address it, what pronouns do you prefer? She, them, they. Okay. You said she, um, them, they? She's okay. Uh, okay. I'm not an okay with she because I get tired of repeating that sure. uh, they, them. A lot yes. of people just make assumptions because yeah. sometimes I dress quite androgynous and then and there other times I'm quite girly or sure. feminine presenting. Sure. And so people just feel comfortable. Like I said, I completely understand that. I, 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 I grew up around that uh, to sure. assume someone's dressing yeah. as they're representing their gender. Yeah. Um, but she she's fine. They, okay. them. Okay. Thanks, but you thanks for asking. Yeah, you prefer they, them, though. I want to make sure I understand correctly. Cool. Absolutely. Yes. Cool. Perfect. Then that's what we'll use. So how, you said you don't feel seen. How can I, as a white, straight Christian woman, do my part to make sure that you feel seen? Two things I can think of. Yeah. And they're connected, I think. One is compassionate curiosity which i feel is what you gently asking with the intent of wanting to know mm -hmm. coming from a place of wanting to understand we don't i don't mind answering any question anybody has about my hair or my skin or gladly answer any question if it comes from a place of love sure so that'll be my first. And then the second is actions. Mm. It's easy to say that you see a queer person and you're trying to support them. But if you're not showing that in actions, I, I can't tell. Right. And so I, it would be nice if in your workspace, you notice that there's lack of diversity and you speak up about that. Mm -hmm. When you go to church, why don't we have other ethnicities at church? Yeah. How do we reach out to these people? Mm -hmm. Are, is there a protest going on? How do I support them? How do I show up for them in mm -hmm. action? Sure. So those would be my, my two ways that I feel anybody would support yeah. a minority yeah. or a Black person of color. Yeah. Those are great. And I was glad that you gave some examples of like actions that are supportive because I think it's hard to know where to start and what's actually supportive versus what just feels supportive to me versus what looks more performative versus all of that. So thank you for giving some examples. Of course, my pleasure. Thanks for asking. That's a really good question. Um, I wish more people asked that mm. in day to day. I know that people are afraid Am I offending this person? Is this going to be uncomfortable for them? But that's where we need to push through that. Because sure. if we don't do that, how do we learn what's comfortable and not comfortable for someone to ask? Yeah, that's one of the things I love about 
I mean, even hosting this show, right, is getting to have conversations like this, but then also in the hopes that listeners will have conversations like this with people in their real lives and recognize, like, I don't always get it right, um, but maybe we can come up with some questions or some conversation starters for listeners to have the conversations in their real life, to have conversations, to take action, and to know what at least is supportive for you. And then that gets them started on finding what would be supportive for the people in their world. Yes, absolutely. That's uh, I was listening to some of your previous oh, um, you. episodes, and I, I really like that about this, your podcast. So I'm glad you're going forward with being uncomfortable and saying that that's okay. It's how I learn. So yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you for listening. I appreciate that. It's always fun when a guest is like, yeah, I've heard your show. Um, it means a lot to me. Oh, of course. So since we're talking about the listeners, um, what suggestions would you have if they want to start a conversation with somebody in their world who identifies differently than they do? Do you have any tips? In two ways. One, I would suggest virtually or social media, you can DM someone, ask them how they're doing. Uh, if there's an issue going on that's maybe local or national, just inbox, how can I support you? Sure. And that also applies in real life, I think. Mm -hmm. If you have a coworker who's Black, or a person of color, just check in on them. How are you? How are you feeling? Yeah. What can I do? How yeah. can I support you? How can I help you? How can I show up for you? I think sure. that's where it all starts. It's sure. us reaching out to our neighbors, literally and virtually, and just asking, hey, I'm here. What can I do? Yeah, that's so good. Do you have advice on how to be open to um, elevating other voices or other genders? I think we just need to recognize that there's always been louder voices. Mm. There's always been voices that are always louder than others. And so mm -hmm. allowing that to be something that informs how you deal with people who don't have voices helps. Sure. If you see a post, somebody who has a small business and they're black, share that. Yeah. Share it in your stories. In real life, go to stores that support mm -hmm. people of color, black people, black owned businesses. Again, it all comes down to like what you do, your actions. That, that's the only way we know that you're supporting us. Yeah, those are the only examples I can think of. Yeah, those are great examples. Thank you. So you moved to the United States about 17, 18, like for college. What advice would you give yourself if you were at that point in that transition again? You'll be fine. <laughs> That's good. Don't, don't worry about it. We all live forward, learn back words it's going to be okay I think I just want to reassure them that there's a light at the end of the tunnel sure you'll find support you'll find friends you'll find work 
you'll have great experiences. Don't stress. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Was becoming a life coach always the end goal for you? No, uh, actually, I just recently discovered that it was something I wanted to pursue. Mm. Um, I worked in banking, which is very um, structured and rigid. I've done, I've worked in an interior design showroom, which was essentially what I went to school for, fabrics department. I worked for a small business owner doing real estate. I've worked for a law office. I've had quite an eclectic work experience. My resume is very eclectic. I hear that all the time when I interview. Yeah. But after the pandemic or during the pandemic, I had to really sit with myself and ask myself, what do I want to do that supports my values and my interests and my unique abilities? Mm. I had to really dig deep about that because I'd never done I've never done that in my entire life. I've always just just find a job, something yeah. that pays the bills, yeah. save some money, get married, have kids. Uh, I was conditioned to pursue what other people thought would be success for me. Mm -hmm. And so the pandemic uh, giving me a lot of time to reflect, I realized that I've never liked a single job I've ever had. Oh, wow. And yeah, and none of them have ever reached my values Mm. in order to please parents, society. Sure. And so I just had to really, yeah, I had to really reflect internally. What do I value? What do I care about? And what do I want to do about that? Yeah. And I decided that I want to find a way to serve people. Mm-hmm. And then next was like, how do I do that with my abilities? What do I have in the past or in yeah. my past experiences that I can use to serve people? Mm. And, um, uh, listening to all the feedback I've ever had with my friends and my family, I thought I could be a counselor because everyone mm-hmm. says I'm a good listener, I'm patient, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, but I thought about counseling and comparing it with life coaching. And I realized that life coaching was more of where I wanted to take my interest because it's way more positive Uh, I don't know if people know the difference between therapy counseling and life coaching but tell us so therapy is more intellectual more your brain what happened to it I call it mental injury not mental illnesses Mm. Um, dealing with mental injuries and trying to heal those yeah. I like that. I'm going to borrow that. Oh, sure. Of course. It's for everybody. It's not really mine. I borrowed it too. Um, <laughs> Sorry to cut you uh, off. So, it, oh no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Mental injury and trying to heal that. And it involves a lot of going to that pain point. Mm-hmm. So it's it's supposed to be a painful experience. And then eventually you get to the end. Mm -hmm. counseling is around 
the same thing too. It's a lot of like establishing the things that hurt you and working towards getting to a place where they don't hurt as much. Life coaching on the other hand is more goal oriented. Mm. Where do I want to go? It's not so much about looking back at what caused the pain. It's like, I want to go on vacation. I want to go to France at the end of this year. And I struggle with saving. I need Mm. someone to help me save money. Sure. Or it can be, I am feeling lost in my career. How do I go about trying to find where I want to go? Mm. So coaching is way more fun it's we sit I sit with clients and we discuss their interests what excites them what they look forward to what they love to do and then we find a way to get them to use those strengths and interests and values to find or accomplish the goal that they're Mm. trying to get to so I find that it's a way more fun, light, joyful experience. And so that's what I decided to study. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad I did it because it's everyone I told about when I announced to my friends and my family that I was pursuing this and I was going to train and pay all this money and take classes. Mm -hmm. They're like, you should have been doing this way before you were meant for this. This is exactly what you were meant to do. I'm so glad you have finally found what you, what your calling is essentially. So that's what led me to life coaching as for professional organizing. Yes. Seriously, as far as I can remember, some of the, my favorite things were, were purging, mm-hmm. getting rid of things, mm-hmm. decluttering. I love wrapping gifts, mm-hmm. just wrapping in general. Yeah. And so when I was doing my life coaching classes and part of the classes is also you train as a client, a potential client, to find what your strengths and sure. interests and abilities sure. are. And one of the questions that was very key for me was, what do you remember doing in your past that made you not think about eating or using the bathroom for hours and hours? Mm-hmm. And it was decluttering. Wow. Yeah, I could literally do that all day, every day for the rest of my life. And I'd be very happy. I'd feel (laughs) completely fulfilled. I know it sounds, it might sound quite boring to somebody else. Uh And then the other thing they asked us is like, of all the jobs you've ever had, what is one role, not role, but one duty that you had that really excited you, that you look forward to, to go to work, even though you hated your job? And when I worked for an interior design showroom in downtown Los Angeles, um, I was made to manage their sample and fabrics library. Okay. Honestly, if they could take me back right now and pay me minimum wage, I would happily do that job all day. Mm -hmm. Going in there, organizing, categorizing, getting rid of um, lines that are not available anymore, incorporating new lines from the designers. Yeah. That was like my happy place. And so that's, long story short, that's how I've come to where I am today, Mm -hmm. where I've started my business, 
I'm getting ready to be certified in professional organizing. And I'm looking forward to all the clients that the universe is going to send me because I know <laughs> they're going to be for me and they're going to help me grow. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell that it just, I light up when we start talking about yes. organizing yes. and life coaching. Those are definitely passion points for you. Do you have any fun life or organization hacks that you're willing to share? Oh, yeah. This is a, uh, random mm -hmm. but it's more of a tip about your mattress okay you should change your mattress every five years get oh, a wow. new one okay why because first of all it doubles in weight oh wow and the reason why it doubles it weight it's all your sweat all the dirt from your body and all the dust mites in there mm, sure so always change your mattress every five years if you can afford it. Of course, obviously. of course. Um, I'm actually then, in the market for a new mattress. So oh, are you? Ironically, okay. that you brought that one up. Yeah, <laughs> brought that one up, yeah. Um, and then I think you have to create a habit of clearing things and making sure they go to their homes. Mm. That's my number one tip. It's easier to clean a small mess than it is to clean a big mess. True. So trying to have daily or weekly habits where every day at the end of the day, before you leave your work office, mm -hmm. make sure that everything goes back to their home. Mm -hmm. Everything has to have a home. So clear your desk space, clear your floors. Yeah. And then that way, every time you wake up in the morning and you're getting ready to start work, Mm -hmm. it's clean and your yes. mind is clean because we people don't realize how much we carry mm -hmm. in our brains with the yeah. things that we have around us we are yeah. always carrying them mentally so they weigh down on you so if you can just clear that huh. already you're saving money you're saving time and you're increasing your productivity so win all brilliant i uh thank you when I had a desk job, I would actually intentionally clean the desk on Friday afternoon, make sure that all the papers got put away. It got dusted, like just all of that. So that when I came in on Monday morning, I had a beautiful space to start with. I think I tried to do it every day and that just didn't become realistic. But on Fridays, no. I spent the last hour of my day cleaning up for Monday morning. Yeah. And then yeah. includes like your download folder, digitals, like do your downloads folder, stuff like that. Absolutely. I'm so glad you do that. And I'm so glad you say that because everyone is different. Mm -hmm. um, I have the cleanest desk probably you'll ever, it doesn't matter how I'm, what I'm working with. My desk is just generally clean, but I'm naturally like that. Mm -hmm. My partner is the opposite of that. <laughs> they dump everything on their desk for some reason. I don't know why, uh -huh. but we've gotten to a good place where at the end of the day, when they're trying to decide, okay, end of work, I'm going to start my evening routine. I'm going to relax. I'm going to decompress. Let me just at least clear everything and put it in their home. It might not be neat, right. but it'll be in their home. So yeah. yeah. No, that's great. That's so great. What do you wish everyone knew? That everyone is worthy. Mm. That's the big one. That's the one I keep because of the classes I've taken, it's so easy to recognize it in other people now. And mm -hmm. I recognize it in my past. 
Mm -hmm. Honestly, a lot of our suffering would be greatly reduced if we thought that we were worthy. Mm. You are worthy. The listeners are worthy. I am worthy. Every single human being, all seven, eight billion of us are worthy. Yeah. I, and that's, that's my, that's every time I pray, that's my wish. It's mm-hmm. like an impossible wish yeah. because that's something you have to discover on your own. It's something you want sure. to find on your own. But my biggest wish is always that people find their worthiness in yeah. themselves. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So we have talked about a lot of diverse topics today. What have I not asked you that you want to talk about? And you could cool. maybe ask about how I feel about religion or what I believe in. Sure. But... Sure. How do you feel about religion? Um, oh, I love all religions, actually. I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. My mom is Seventh-day okay. Adventist. Okay. My dad is atheist Okay. growing up. So there was a bit of a conflict about how do we raise our kids? Yeah. Mom won, mom won. So we went to church every week. Sure. Yep. <laughs> and, um, and then I sort of, be, not, I wouldn't say disillusioned by Christianity, but I found it too constricting for me mm. as a queer person. Sure. I didn't feel like I was accepted. Mm-hmm. And so I strayed away and I was like, I'm not interested in organized religion. Yeah. Um, but now um, I'm sort of, how do you say, accepting of all religions. Okay. I have Muslim friends. I have Buddhist friends. My, yeah. Most of my family is Christian. Yeah. But I practice more of a personalized version of Christianity and spirituality. Okay. I don't know if that would make sense to someone but I believe that there's a higher power mm-hmm. and I believe that the higher power is always supporting me yeah higher power always wants the best for me and that it is my responsibility to find that within myself that I can be a caring and loving and capable, empathetic, compassionate, patient person. Sure. That's what I have to do. And if I do that with myself, it automatically extends to the rest of the human beings that mm-hmm. I meet. So that's my, that's my religion, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Starting with yourself and then having compassion and everything for yourself. And then you'd say easier to have it for other people as well. Yeah, because I think I remember I used to think that I loved my neighbors. Mm. But looking back, it was just a lot of people pleasing. Mm. It wasn't coming from an honest place of love because I didn't even really know what love was. How can you love someone if you don't even know what that is? Sure. And so, yeah, looking back, I realized that a lot of it was just conditioning acting like Mm -hmm. what we're supposed to act because oh that's how christians are supposed to act but yeah that wasn't coming from a place of truth within me and once i discovered love for myself and compassion and then accepted Mm -hmm. myself as i am it's so easy now to 
love other people love yeah my housemates who are quite annoying sometimes but i love them <laughs> and my family yeah. <laughs> right so yeah that's i think that's what uh, i discovered about starting from within mm-hmm. was that a hard journey to start with yeah because once i went to therapy a few years ago all of my behaviors were survival mm. I was in constant like chronic survival mode since I was mm-hmm. a child based on my childhood. And so I didn't I never really had time to actually care about me. Mm. I was trying to stop something frightening from happening. I was operating from fear. Everything was coming from fear. Mm-hmm. And so I never really got time to actually take care of myself. So I was practicing a lot of self-abandonment I guess you'd say Mm, and so once I started to realize like no I matter I'm worthy I need to take care of myself and and the more I took care of myself the less fearful I was of life and people and situations and so it was quite painful yeah (laughs) it was a pain it was a painful it was uh, discovering my who I was Mm -hmm. came through pain which is essentially one of life lessons yeah you yeah. grow through pain. Mm-hmm. I had to go through like a very deep depression and have severe anxiety that led me to seek help mm-hmm. the proper way before I was using other ways of self-soothing sure. and numbing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was quite the journey, but I'm so grateful. I'll eternally be grateful for that journey. I would funny now, I would not change a single thing about it. Wow. That's powerful. I would not change. Yeah, I would not change any of the pain I experienced, any of the suffering I experienced, because mm-hmm. I am so, so, so content and so, so happy with who I am for the first time in my life ever. Yeah. Like I truly, truly am friends with my mind and my wow. body, and I'm not fighting them or trying to control them. Mm-hmm. I'm accepting. So, and if it wasn't for that journey, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Wow. I am glad that you have gone through that journey because I can tell just in how you speak about yourself and of your story that you have done the hard work. You present yourself with confidence. You do truly love yourself and see the beauty in the people around you because you know it in yourself first. So thank you for going through that and for being willing to share about it with us. Oh no, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share that with other people. I hope your listeners, someone takes if anything they take away that they're okay they're Mm -hmm. enough just the way they are and that's that will always be my message even with my clients hopefully in the future is yeah you're okay you're perfect just the way you are absolutely do you have like a website or a facebook or instagram or something that you want to connect with people on yay thanks for asking yes everything is at organize with ollie Okay. Um, on you can find me on Instagram. I have a Facebook page, and I have my website. Okay. Organizewithollie.com. Perfect. Perfect. We will link to all of those in the show notes as well. Please reach out to me. I'd love yeah. to chat. Yeah. If that's all you want, or if you need help decluttering, or talking about some goals you want to achieve, I'd love that. Sure. Uh, so. Yeah, thank you for sharing those in the notes and for asking. Definitely. 
So I've got one final question for you. Oh, first of all, I don't know if anyone else can hear this. The tornado siren is going off here because they test it at this time every week. I'm totally fine, totally safe. I just heard it go off and I hope that it's not showing up in the audio, but if people are hearing it, it's fine. <laughs> it's just, okay, a, that's fine. it's just I'm the sorry. test. It's just the test. Okay. Um, one final question for you. If you could be any inanimate object, what would you be and why? Does it matter the size of the object? Not at all. I don't know if these still exist, but I'd like to be a lighthouse. Ooh, they do still exist. Oh, okay, good. Mm -hmm. um, I'd, like to, I'd like to be a lighthouse. One main reason is because of their proximity to the sea. Mm -hmm. And I love the sea. Love, 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 love the ocean. So mm -hmm. being near it, I think, would always humble me and bring me a sense mm -hmm. of calm. Yeah. And then they're literally, I guess, light. Mm -hmm. So those are the, yeah. I think those are, that's the reason why uh, I would think a lighthouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's the protector too, right? It's showing people this is dangerous, uh -huh. be careful. Um, and then being that warning too. Yeah. I grew exactly. up. I grew up near a lighthouse. And so you can see the light oh. over the trees at night oh. when it's going off. It's yeah. so, it is peaceful and calming and beautiful. And then also recognizing like I'm on the land side, on the other side, like it's warning you of danger. And so just the, the two contrasts of the land side versus the seaside is, I could talk about that all day. Uh, oh, mm -hmm. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ollie, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your story. This has been so helpful for me. It has been great to get to, to hear your perspective, to learn from you, um, and to be both challenged and encouraged by some of the things you said and some of the things that I need to do differently in my life. So thank you. As always, big thanks for listening. Again, I apologize for the audio situation. We are working on it. I have got a game plan. It's going to get better. I'm crossing my fingers here, praying over it. It's going to get better because it's a problem right now. I will acknowledge it, admit it. it. We're working on it. I loved getting to talk to Ollie, and I hope that you listen to her voice instead of reading the transcript because she's so peaceful, so beautiful. I learned so much from her. I want to encourage you to take what you learned in this conversation into your everyday world. Use it to start some conversations with people in your world. Maybe ask the question, what feels supportive to you? Because sometimes what I think is supportive is not always what somebody else thinks is supportive. And I want to make sure I'm supporting them in a way that's actually helpful instead of a way that is just whitewashed, for lack of a better way to describe it. My friend, I am so glad that you are here. I would love it if you hit subscribe so you can always be here with us. We're here about every two weeks, every other Monday or so. If you wouldn't mind also leaving a review, it's how people like Ollie know that their stories are safe here. It's how they know that they can come on the show and share their perspective, that we're going to listen, that we're going to learn, that we're going to do life a little differently based on what we've learned. Be blessed, my friend. We will see you again soon. Bye.